evidence that only 17% of borrowers have actually seen it. What's called the berry button, the red button that I hit. Hey, remember that? Right? You know, oh yeah. I love Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Laugh Lend and Eat the Podcast. How's everybody doing? And we're gonna have a panel discussion today on this show. So this is very interesting because prior to this show starting, we've had some technical difficulties and Hector and I have been talking about getting food, and we're both hungry. At the is very calm and peaceful right now. But a uh, little bit about the show, real quick. This is a special show because this is episode fifty. So we have made nice. half a century mark, guys. So nice. I've, been, I've been practicing my Spanish, and I've been, been working on this. Mm-hmm. So I think it's it's episodio cincuenta. I say cincuenta. Right? Cincuenta. 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 It depends on the accent, yeah. doesn't it? I mean, what, what? No accent on that one. Cincuenta. Come on, give me a break. <laughs> <laughs> All right, look, we're going to go around the corner here or the panel. And so we have Ana Tolentino from Main Street. How are you doing, Ana? Hi, everybody. We have Hector Reyes from Money Tree Lending Group, right, in Orlando, Hola. Florida. Hola. And then we got Jose Calderon from First Option Mortgage in Atlanta, Georgia. How are you doing, Jose? Doing good. Thank you, guys. Congrats on the show. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Thank you. So I actually just met Jose. We work at the same company, but I just met him on our on our uh, trip to Cabo down there for a few days and uh, really got along well. And I was like, you know what, Jose, I got to have you on the show here. Mm-hmm. So this entire idea was formed on a bus. <laughs> on a bus. <laughs> like, how do I get Jose on the show? Okay, I'm going to get Hector and Ana together. Then Jose will come on board. <laughs> for sure. So guys, listen, I mean, this is a, a, actually, I mean, I don't mean to, you know, like berate this but the spanish market and 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 the it's the evolution of it because i've been now in the business since 1994 28 years right and from the time that i got into it the spanish market has been a very vibrant and very important piece of the mortgage industry and it seems today it's come of age right like more than ever before it's it's not like a separate market anymore like it used to be in 1994 when i got in the business so Ana, i want to start off with you real quick i mean how do you as a spanish-speaking loan officer how do you see the spanish market the i should say the hispanic market right i think that's the correct way to say it in your area i mean is it the way it was when you first came in is it different because you've been in several years also now yeah so i've been doing this now i'm going on my 17th year um, I started when I was 10. So, um, That's what right. I want to say. Yeah. <laughs> I agree with that. <laughs> um, and so, you know, I think for me, the market has changed in terms of education. When I first got in, I felt like the level of, of consumer's education was a lot different. I also came in in 05. So that goes to that should give you a little bit of, um, you know, kind of background as to where we stood. A lot of people, especially Latinos and Hispanics, have taken advantage of during mm-hmm. those times. And so I will have to say when I talk to a client now, at least in our area, they know a little bit. They've been there, they've done that, and they're not as naive as they may have been 17 years ago. That's an interesting point. Hector, I mean, I know you and I've been in the business a while also, right? So, I mm-hmm. mean, you're down there in Florida, right? Mm-hmm. Which yes. is heavily Spanish-speaking population communities, right? Mm-hmm. 
Mm -hmm. I mean, yes. how do you feel about the Spanish market today as opposed to when you first came in? I mean, one other question I want to throw in there real quick. Is it your only source of business also, or have you gone into other different markets? So two-part question for you, Hector. Okay. Yes, um, I started in 93. I started my, my lending uh, experience in Puerto Rico when I was in my second year in college. As everybody else, nobody wake up and said, oh, I'm going to be a loan officer today. Or <laughs> that wasn't my invitation. I got a friend that told me in 93, I was in college, and say, yo, Hector, you want to make some money? I said, yeah, sure, why not? <laughs> uh, two, three months down the road, I was making more money than my father. Wow. And I fall in love. I fall in love with, with, with mortgage. Um, but studying in Puerto Rico, for me, is a little bit different as the partners that United States. Because I was 100% with my people in Puerto Rico, you know, Spanish speakers, uh, different people from houses on $50,000 to $2 million. It's, it's very wide in Puerto Rico. And also the guidelines in Puerto Rico for mortgage are super strict, extremely strict back in the days. Mm. Um, um, do you want to buy a home? I need your family's DNA before I approve you on <laughs> And God forbid you go 3143 and you go over that, God forbid, you will be denied. And also when we started, FHA wasn't three and a half percent, was 10%. And I don't know if you remember, Bobby, was, uh, the 1003 was uh, carbon paper. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're, bringing you're, back a lot, you're bringing back a lot of memories, brother. Exactly. exactly. I mean, it's, it's, it's a lot of evolution. I moved here to Florida um, 18 years ago. It's going to be 18 years ago in January this year. Um, when I moved here in 2004, we were in Central Florida, maybe four Spanish loan officers. Mm. And the only thing that differentiates me as my peers is that in Puerto Rico, is very heavy. USDA is very heavy FHA. And those loans, and when I came here, nobody talked about that. Okay. Uh, at one point, I went to... to real estate offices and say guys i can i can do an fha with this client they say well, what, what is an fha <laughs> um but what i see what i see is changing the modern latino buyers are more savvier okay more wealthy okay. they ask the question a lot of those um clients have a situation between 2007 to 2009 uh, as uh, anna says they were very naive on, on, on this process. Uh, right now they asking questions, they know, uh, and they like to make business with people they, they know. Okay. That's, right. that's very important. That's why, that's why I've been in this business so many years. And also, as you know, I have for radio shows and everything and people follow you, wherever you go. Uh, but definitely change, change a lot. The Latino market is super important. It's, we're going to become Pretty soon, three trillion dollars in, in expense in expense uh, power in United States, um, and in Central Florida is is so important the Latino community in Central Florida that other communities, uh, non-Hispanics, non-white, whites, are trying to come in and take part of the yeah. our business. Yeah. The only difference about Latinos is that Latinos like to work in people that they understand. Yeah. So Jose, let's let's jump over to you real quick. Um, I know you're uh, in Atlanta, Georgia. Hang on, yeah, you can speak all the language you want, but <laughs> if if you're in Spanish, it's even better for them. Yeah. Okay. So Jose, in your market, 
are you dealing with first generation or second generation? Because Jose, made, I mean, Hector made a really great point that we're dealing with a more educated Spanish-speaking borrower today than we did 20 years ago, even, or five years ago. I mean, are you seeing that as well, Jose? Yeah, I, I think it's it, there, there's two there's two factors, right? Because what Hector says is, is absolutely right. What Anna said too. Right now, what I'm dealing with are first and second, right? Uh, maybe maybe in Georgia, you know, different to to other states, uh, you know, for example, Texas that you see like third, fourth generation, like you can tell really the difference in markets, right? But I think that's that's one part of it, and the other part is what Anna was saying is, is the resources that are out there. It's just so easy to go look for for information, you know. I mean, yeah. every time somebody, uh, but because it's crazy, you know. You can get, I can get the first generation Latino. Sometimes I get, you know, a nation client, uh, a white client, and sometimes every client, whenever they're gonna purchase their first home, they really want to do it with somebody. It's crazy, you know. You'll you'll think that some people will go to like Rocket Mortgage and do everything online, but but the truth of the matter is that the first purchase, they're super scared, you know. Some of them might try it, but but they have bad experiences, you know. So that's what I see. I I, I do think that it's more uh, uh, the fact that there's more ownership. So they have the cousin that purchased a house so they can share their experience. They have the friend that purchased a house, yeah. uh, you know, and, and this can some, sometimes backfire you. They're like, well, you know, 10 years ago, my brother bought a house and this and that. So I, I think uh, since the market is ever changing, uh, it, it, I think it's a constant education. You know, I, I, I see myself more than an officer, like like more like a consultant, right? Like a market consultant, a financial yeah. consultant. Sometimes even as psychologist, right? Like we see it all. <laughs> but, but I think that's what it is. More so you guys the Rocket Mortgage. I mean, dive down this hole for me a little bit, Jose. Mm -hmm. When we're dealing with online lenders, look, we all deal with it no matter which community we're, we're coming from, right? Mm -hmm. Are you seeing more second generation kind of saying, hey, look, XYZ lender is giving me this. Here's what they offered me on. Here's the email. Can you match it? And you're like, yeah, I can't I... match that rate because that's a yeah. call center. Well, you, you'll be surprised. Sometimes we, we, you know, we can compete. And, okay. uh, but I don't see it that much. I don't see it that much. Again, maybe on second buyers, uh, mm -hmm. people that are buying their second or third home, they try to do that. But I don't see it that much, especially on first-time home buyers. And to be honest with you, I want to say maybe seventy percent of my clients are first-time home buyers. So that could be a reason why I don't see it a lot. Uh, but definitely, I know what when people are trying to refi, since they're not approaching or looking for the deal, they're having like banks blasting their emails and sending right. them emails and stuff like that. Then they 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 sort of try to compare, and they're like, "Well, I got this." And then you gotta explain to them. It's like you can't really go. Uh, with anything you get on the mail, that's like whenever you get a credit card approval, right? And then you go apply and you don't get it. So you try to explain to them, you tell them, look, rate is based on your on your um, on your credit score, your right. equity, this and that. There's options I can show those to you. So that's where we make the difference, I think, when you come in as a consultant. Sometimes you get even people saying, hey, I want to work with you just because the way you are with me, like the way you're explaining things to me, mm -hmm. even though this might seem like a better deal. I don't know. I, I trust you, right? Yeah, um, yeah. That's what makes the difference. The human element. I, mean, I think no matter what happens, the human element is always the factor when we're yes. dealing with, with something as important as the investment of a home. Mm -hmm. Whether it's the first home or the seventh home, it's still, they got to have that trust. I mean, mm -hmm. and I mean, let's talk about technology for a second. I mean, technology from the time, you know, that in the last five years, has just vaulted our industry into another dimension. I mean, we're talking mm -hmm. 
artificial intelligence. We're talking all sorts of like different processes that are being done to, to capture clients. Is this having an effect in the Hispanic market or is the technology really not that relevant? Because to Jose's point, they trust the factor there. You know what I mean? And I know for me, the communication was huge coming from a Pakistani community that they could communicate with me in my language. The technology may not be as important. What do you think, Anna? So I think this is a very loan officer to loan officer specific question, especially in the Latino community. Um, I know loan officers that do meet with every client to sign disclosures by hand. Um, the last disclosures I signed by hand was February of 20, like that I met with someone was 20, 2020. February wow. of 2020, right before COVID. And actually, my assistant met with someone for disclosures last week, and they were American. Okay. So um, I would say my clientele is probably 50% Latino and 50% all other races. And all my Latinos, it sometimes is a little bit of hand-holding, mm -hmm. but it's like if you have a Facebook, you can sign online disclosures. <laughs> you know, you tell me, oh, and Facebook says that this about COVID or this about, you know, all the Facebook facts. So if you know the Facebook facts, guess what? You can fill out an application online. You can find disclosures online. I don't want to hear any excuses. Um, and one of the, the, I'm part of the diversity and inclusion committee for our parent company, NFM. And one of their big pushes this last year the last couple of years has been an online application in Spanish and that has been also a game changer because we have reduced the number of online uh, we have increased the number of online applications and have reduced the number of over the phone applications which, wow. is, which is fantastic for you know for productive purposes but I would have to say you know I think Sometimes I get a little bit of hesitation from my borrowers, like, oh, we want to do everything in person. And I'm like, look, we can set up a FaceTime. We can do a Zoom. Like, we can WhatsApp. Whatever you tell me what you like. Everybody, every Latino person knows about WhatsApp. <laughs> and, you know, and I'm like, do you need me to help you sign disclosures? I'm going to send you the link. We're going to walk through it. Grab your wife's phone, FaceTime me your phone. Let's walk it step by step. Okay. And people feel empowered because I took the time and I taught a client how to do print the PDF on their laptop. And they were like so thrilled because they don't really know a lot about laptops, but now they know how to print the PDF. So it's, I feel like the Latino community that, that works with me is catching up. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them even more technological more involved with technology than i am which awesome. is really really awesome to see good stuff hector let me come to you real quick i want to i want to i want to talk about coronavirus you're in florida which look i mean florida's been a hotspot for coronavirus yes are you see i mean look it didn't feel like coronavirus had any impact on the housing industry in the last 12 to 18 months no and especially down in Florida, I mean, it felt like business as normal. I mean, was that what you felt also, or I mean, any changes at yes. ground level? The only, the only, the only thing that changed right here, I, I still have these clients that they want to know where's my office, and they wanna, they wanna swing by. They don't care to e-sign everything, but just swing by and know that I have a, a place who I am, 
And also I use that uh, circle back to these companies that try to make business out of state. It's like, guys, you can send your documents out of state, whatever you want. But if you got a situation, I'm right here in, in Central Florida. You just mm -hmm. drive 30 minutes to my office and, and I'm here. Um, but right here, coronavirus, what, what coronavirus did in Central Florida was to increase the values. And also having a lot of people, wealthy people from West Coast and, and, and North buying properties cash right here and raising yeah. the price. Because I, Not, saw, I remember in, a report that showed that Californians were more likely to move to Orlando. Like I think Orlando, Florida was the number mm -hmm. one spot. Yes, it is. Southern California residents to transfer to. So it's very similar. The weather is very similar. That's why. And, and also the cost of living here is like maybe one third of, of Southern California. Um, I don't think the weather in Florida is the same as the weather in California. Well, it's very nice. South, Southern California and Central Florida is very similar in the 70s. 80s. It's very nice. But it's yeah. humid in Florida, no? I know, but right now we're in 75. <laughs> you yeah. see? But the, cost and, of living, but the cost of living is cost way of living less in way Central Florida than, than, than And if you have California incomes living in Florida and you yeah. can work Home, that's a win-win. Yeah. How's that, what's that done to the traffic, though, down there? I mean, because I remember Florida from the 1980s compared to mm -hmm. when I was in Orlando just a few years ago. It was like the traffic was like crazy, right? So is, is it getting change. more? That changed. The, yeah. they, uh, the I-4, which is the main the main uh, road in, in Central Florida, they do some expansions. They're going to finish in 2022. And another thing, probably, yeah, with the coronavirus, we have a lot of traffic from people around the world. I'm doing a lot of uh, foreign national loans from okay. people in South America, Central America, um, uh, Spain, uh, France, <laughs> Italy, you know, moving a lot because, you know, they they find out with the coronavirus, they can be able to move their money and losing or losing value. What they do, they buy some houses in, in Florida. So basically, you're seeing an advantage in the coronavirus time frame. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Jose, let me come to you real quick. With marketing, are you going to up the marketing? Do you see that more online marketing is effective with the Hispanic market, or is it more a grassroots level, like the way we've done marketing all around, like where you can do, you know, dances or or not dances, but like for me, I know Pakistan we do a lot of festivals. You know what I mean? So that's like that came to my mind. But where grassroots level marketing or versus online marketing, which do you think is more effective? Ooh, I think I think that's a, that's a good question because obviously there's a huge there's a huge shift, but I I still think both of them are super effective, Bobby. You know. Uh -oh, hold on, we lost. Those You're okay shows. signing online, but sometimes they don't mind dropping by an office and seeing that we exist, right? So I think it's both. Um, it's funny that you mentioned that because what we did, especially our strategy, especially this year, uh, was that we did like two or three uh, customer appreciation parties, Christmas parties. And it was good because, I mean, people, you know, left super thankful and, and that means referrals, right? So we, we don't want to lift on a site. We know that social media with all that internet is what most people are doing right now. Mm -hmm. but, but I think doing events like this um, and getting those world model referrals, it, it's still a big part in our community, you know? Don't get me wrong. I mean, I do. We, we do have some 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 online presence, and we we drive it like that because 
going back to what Anna was saying, like, hey, if you have a Facebook, you can sign it. I mean, everybody has a Facebook, it's right? And so, and so if, if they have one, they're exposed to it, just how they are exposed to whatever products they, they talk about, right? Nowadays, like you talk about something and it pops up on your Facebook. So, you know, I, I think both of them are super key. I, I, I want to say, obviously, the trend is online, and that's what we're going to be shift uh, or be shifting to. Um, completely soon, but I don't know if it's going to be a hundred percent, you know, anytime soon. Right. I still think that again, going back to the human factor, I think people do appreciate and, and like to, to, to see more tangible things too. You know, the online thing is just access to a resource and information and, and to capture them. Uh, But if you compare uh, a lead that perhaps goes to an online bank or, or see some online marketing versus, you know, dropping by Hector's office and seeing a sign and being able to walk in and, and, and get somebody to talk to them. Obviously, you know, Hector's going to get that lead, right? Yeah. Um, it's just it's just what it does. It just multiplies exposure. We just got to find out a way to multiply that exposure and then, you know, make it personal. I, I think that's the key to our, our story. I will have to say, Bobby, I feel like because of the coronavirus, I think the business is going to become slightly more personal personal and person oriented because so many of us are yearning for that personal attention or the the communication with a human i mean like i work from home so i usually don't see anyone the whole week it's just Mm -hmm. like i see my team on zoom but but when i go into the office it's just it's like i get giddy so i feel like that's also the case with clients it's like they we had a famous uh, Jose, we had a client appreciation event in mm-hmm. um, for Halloween at a at a farm, and I hugged everybody, and everybody hugged me, and it was like so nice to just see everybody, and I could sense that from them too. And actually, we got a couple of deals from it. Okay. So um, I do feel that while we are going more marketing in terms of internet and stuff, the human aspect will also be just as strong. So are you doing more online marketing, Anna, yourself, or are you? I don't do any online marketing. So I mean, no I, online zero. I mean, I have my Facebook and my um, Instagram. And um, my company has, like, marketing stuff they put up, and occasionally I'll throw something on there. Uh-huh. But, no, that's it. Now, you I'm, should do, I remember, like, a year ago, you were doing, like, lunch with Anna or something. Remember? I was. And, and, you, and you were making, making those little videos and they were yeah. cute. You were like, like, eating lunch on a park bench and you talk about the mortgage business. Yeah. So I stopped doing that because um, I was dealing with some back issues. And honestly, I got so busy that I couldn't keep up with it. Okay. Uh, but we actually, we've always, um, we've never been internet based. We've always been person to person type situations. So we do a lot of mail out and a lot of emails. I do a lot of postcards. I do, you know, Christmas cards, birthday cards. We do birthday emails. We do uh, our picnic every year, which we haven't been able to do for two years. But mm-hmm. we do a picnic, so that's why we did the the um, day at the farm for October. Um, and we do, you know, little things like that. I used to have a happy hour. I haven't done that in a while, but that's what we. That's what I've always done. I try to do a postcard every month. Uh, to my sphere of influence, my database, and that seems to be like for me the most productive. Hector, I saw you put up a zero when it said when it said online marketing. 
I have no any online marketing at all, right? I have no social media at all. Nothing. Just LinkedIn because the daughter make me one, but I have no Facebook, no Instagram, no nothing. Where did I um, see a picture of you golfing? Is that when you call me up and tease me in the middle of winter? You text me a picture of you golfing with shorts yeah. and stuff? <laughs> Always. You know, that is his social media. He, 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 teases me, he teases me. That's his social media. Trust me. That's it's not true. Right. It's true. But it's uh, um, um, what I find out, I, I try. I try the social media and stuff like that. But I think i wasting way too much time pursuing no big results. Okay. And, and then I find out that the rapport with, with people, calling people, following up with people, my radio show interventions, um, every time my client close, and this is something that we have for the past three years, every time we close, we send a personalized gift to our client. Okay. Following up with them, hey, um, congratulations, it's your birthday, how's everything? Stuff, small stuff like that, more personalized. What I see on 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 social media is is too wide, and I like to make it personal and working just with the people that is going to uh, appreciate it and also uh, I'll refer business back. That's so interesting. I mean, because basically now all three of you guys are saying the same thing, maybe in a different way, but mm -hmm. Jose, Ana, Hector, all saying like, you know, it's more of the handshakes, the hugs, the mm -hmm. personalization. Uh, and that seems to resonate more inside the Hispanic community. That's very Latino. Yeah. I don't think it's Latino only anymore, though. I'm, I'm seeing this across okay. with people. I mean, it, it's definitely a Latino. I think it was more Latino before, or more Hispanic before. But, I mean, I'm finding this among a lot of populations. People want to do business with people they like. And... Mm -hmm. I think the coronavirus has caused us to sit down and think about what really matters to us and what matters to us, our relationships and experiences. Okay. And we want to have a good experience with someone we like and we Anna, you're freezing up there, so we're going to move forward here. Jose, I want to come to you real quick. Now, yeah. as we move forward, I mean, we're talking about coronavirus. We're talking about online marketing versus grassroots marketing. The next generation of Spanish-speaking loan officers, you know, the guy who gets into the business today, <laughs> right? No experience, right? Just like, you know, his brother says, hey, you want to do business in the mortgage business? Come on in. Mm -hmm. How do they adjust to this new 2022 market that we're now entering into, Jose? How do they adjust if they're new, you know? I, I think that if they're new... They, they wouldn't really need much adjustment. You know, it's it's going back to what Hector was mentioning. I mean, this guy, Ayana, these guys have been in the industry for a while. Myself, I got in the mortgage industry in 2015. So, you know, I think I think I wrote a, a newer boat, right? Uh, and and, and that's, those are the stories that I hear, right? Uh, you know, one, one of my the first branch managers that I had was like my mentor. And he always used to say, you know, back in the day, this and that, like I always like uh, listen to him say that, right? And so, and so I learned, I get it, I know how it was, but but I don't think, at least for me, in the last five years, I I do see that there's a trend, and yes, we got COVID, and again, you know, if I used to see forty percent of my clients person to person or fifty, nowadays I'm seeing five percent. You know, I don't know if people just got 
is this care of you know getting something or I, I think they also got used to to the fact that things can be done online like i think coronavirus pushed them to do that too and so a lot of these borrowers discovered that right um now for for new generations or or new loan officers i you know even that they're on that same boat i think it's just actually going to be easier for them to adapt you know if people keep on doing that um obviously you know they, they shouldn't the key points that we mentioned here how how our generation sometimes we got to hold them by the hand and, and educate them a little more uh, i don't know if they're going to counter that too much because because you know most of most of the people now are you know second third generation at least on my state yes there's people that are coming there's new, the new immigrants every day people that they don't know how the mortgage industry works in the u.s so you know i think that as long as you they stay open to, to to ways of educating people not just you know doing the online doing the easy loan but but really wanting to get their hands dirty uh that to me has been like all of my success you know just okay. just going there for for the hard stuff you know uh I, I think you know the last four or five years everybody in the industry has been super busy uh that they really had a lot of work that sometimes they're like hey i can do this i can do that you know i think that if you really strive to get your hands dirty and and try to like help people uh at the end of the day is what will make you successful hector i mean you you you've led some teams in the mortgage in, the, in your in your career right so mm -hmm. I mean, if a new loan officer comes in on January 20th, 2022, I mean, he's brand new. And I say he, I'm sorry, it could be a she, right? But what's the advice you give the new loan officer today? We have to listen to this, this new generation. I mean, the, the, the biggest issue some managers have with this generation is they don't listen to them. They, they have to realize and understand that this generation is an internet generation. You have to know and talk on their um working with their knowledge and say guys what do you know you can maximize and you can do this but if you combine it with this which is the, the touch talking to people because most of this generation they don't like to interact maybe the way we we grew up interacting mm -hmm. with people when yeah. you when you blend both uh, of those knowledges this loan officer become very very good one very good one because they can communicate with previous uh, generations and the new generation and that will uh, propel them to be a better loan officers in the next two three three years and and if we as a as a seasonal officer we we teach them hey let's go to the realtors offices sit down with the with the realtors don't only ask for business just talk to them how's your family how's everything mm. how many deals you closed last week how's everything don't go straight to the okay this is the data i have um if you don't comply with this data we're not going to do it <laughs> but if you teach them the law officer yeah. have four new ones i said guys what do you have is gold you got a golden mine in your in your hands but if you know this other part because remember uh we have a generation that still want to talk to someone not only text yeah. If you master both of them, you want to be a super loan officer in the next two, two to five years. Okay. I try to blend both of, of generational. Yeah. I try to fill the generational gap, and that way, you know, will be a win-win for everybody. Yeah. Anna, let's switch the question a little bit. What advice do you give yourself 17 years ago today? <laughs> you know, <laughs> Go work for the government. Wow. 
That was, that was a cool one. Find another job. That's awesome. Um, so my daughter, uh, the joke, I have a 14-year-old daughter, and um, the joke, it, well, it's not really a joke. I mean, I kind of mean it for real. I'm like, you know, I told her she needs to do good in school, but not to stress out too much because she's going to be a loan officer anyways, right? <laughs> Um, I'm like, you need to go to college, but you don't need to stress out too much because you're going to be a loan officer. And so, um, but she's like, no way, mom. I'm, I don't care how much money you make. I don't ever want to do your job. She's like, um, but I think if I could go back, I would tell myself not to sweat the small stuff. Okay. It took me a long time, probably like last year to this year to realize that everything works out when it needs to work out. And um, you and I had a really good discussion like two weeks ago about being able to deliver what you promise and not promise something that you know yourself you can't deliver. It's like perfection, right? So I think I would tell myself to be kind, um, patient, and to make sure I set boundaries, but also set clear expectations for everybody. Oh, that's that's really good advice. I mean, I like that. And I mean, just 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 so you guys know, I mean, the thing that that Anna was talking about, the reference from two weeks ago, we were talking about how what we promise we need to deliver on. So make sure that what we're promising is reasonable. Because look, in the business, I mean, we all want to do good. We all want to succeed. No matter if you're Hispanic, if you're Pakistanian, if you're Persian, whatever community you're part of, we all want to do good and we all want to deliver quality to our borrowers so that we get more. But there is a point where this business will eat you alive. Mm-hmm. Where, where I mean, realtors call you at 9 o'clock at night or Saturday morning. I, I remember my son was born. I was in the hospital with my wife. And this realtor is calling, saying, hey, are we still going to go to closing? Not like, I remember hey, that story. You told me once. <laughs> yeah, not congratulations. You know what I mean? Not congratulations. You had a baby boy. Are we still going to go to closing? I'm going to top the story off, Bobby. I'm going to top mm-hmm. it off. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was birth you were when I was on the phone. Like, I, they induced me, and the, I, I had a closing. It was 2008. I had to close every loan I could, right? So I was on the phone, and the doctor's like, we need you to put your phone away. We're going to start delivering. And I'm like, right after this phone call. And my mom tells the story because she's like, she, she's always working. And... You know, I think sometimes hey. that's why I, as a loan officer, and, and maybe it's just me, I don't know if you guys can relate to this, I have, there's a lot that I've missed out on. Okay. Because I thought I needed to be on 24-7. I've missed mm-hmm. out on a lot of life moments. I've missed out on an experience of doing birth without the phone next to my ear. You know, little things like that that I wish I could tell my younger self, like, you know what? If they can't wait for you, if you don't you don't work with someone that can help you do that, you need to reassess where you're at in your life. Mm-hmm. Jose, I mean, how do you deal with the stress? Because, look, there is a lot of stress. I mean, Anna's such a great point with that we just hit upon, right? This is, yeah. yes, we make a lot of money. Let's not kid each other. We all make a lot of money, right? Yep. But the amount of stress, Jose, that we're taking on, it's not it's not normal, I think, Jose. Mm-hmm. How, what do you think? Yeah, it's crazy because, you know, bu- buying a house is a, is a very emotional process to some people, you know. 
and and you sort of carry that you know when you're asking for a document and they're like oh oh your assistant called me but i don't get this or you told me this but now it's that and you know everything obviously needs an explanation and, and, and sometimes you do carry and everybody has their story right like hey i gotta be out of my apartment next week uh this and that and so and so you carry those emotions and sometimes you you feel them and and, and sometimes you gotta really learn how to shut down especially at night because if you let all these issues and, and and thoughts and opinions of people and problems that you might be having with alone because you know our our clients sometimes have like you gotta go around uh, a few bumps to, to make things happen uh it, it's just impossible you know to me um one of the things is soccer so i love playing soccer so every week i have to go that's like if i don't oh. go like i accumulate stuff right um and then i, I learned to really um, what Anna was saying, you know, like you can't really work with everybody. I think it's impossible. There's, there's just mm-hmm. like, no hours during the day, and um, I've learned that the hard way. You know, like I was, you know, going back to to saying that I started five, six years ago. I wanted to do it all, you know, and I wanted to do it all. And 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 soon you realize that that is is not about quantity. It really, is about quality, and 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 that will reflect on on your life, you know, and and learning how to delegate too, knowing mm-hmm. that you have enough hours during the day is it's hard sometimes to let go but but delegating is is, is a huge stress reliever um and, and having be a team uh but yeah going back to that it's just knowing knowing when to to shut down and, mm-hmm. and being like hey you know what I'm, this is my time i'm gonna respect it especially me i you know i i i our first baby came uh, 15 months ago so you know it was it was crazy times for business thank you and so and so it was crazy, right? Like we found out that we were pregnant right when COVID started. Uh, we didn't know if business was going to be good or bad. Everybody was saying it was going to be bad. It turned out being good. 2021 was even more. So we were like, right. and, and, you know, I just, I just had a good support system. And then, you know, like it's I said, knowing, knowing when to shut down, even though sometimes I'm like that, it's, it's, you know, for me, the rule, you know, I started, oh, I'm not going to answer any calls after nine, then after eight, then I'm like, why after seven? You know, nobody, there's nothing I can do. So I'm just going to tell, look, it's going to be handled tomorrow. Unless something is super urgent, then I'll, I'll get on the phone. But, but every day I try better and better, just, just out of respect for like my, my family. Right. And yeah. it, it could be hard. It could be very hard. You know, Hector, I, I know you golf. I know you sing. I know you play piano. I've seen your <laughs> promos for your band in Tampa. Right, <laughs> Hector's an amazing singer, by the way, guys. So I mean, awesome. these are all ways that I know for me being a musician, also, you know what I mean, and somewhat of a golfer, mm-hmm. right? Those are the ways that I release my stress. I mean, and you do as well. But what would you? I mean, other things that you're seeing that will relieve the stress and the tension out of your life on a day-to-day basis. I learned so many years ago to say no, and also to set boundaries. Um, uh, seven, six thirty, seven o'clock, like Matrix. I unplug myself, and I forget about everything until the next day. Um, and this is this is an advice that I always give to new loan officers that they need to have balance between business and personal. If you don't have a balance, you're gonna fail in both, because your personal life will be miserable and your business life will be miserable. Um, for example, on Wednesdays, uh Four o'clock, I always have a date with my granddaughter. She's mm-hmm. five years. And she do karate. 
I take her to Ferrari, and then I take her to her mother with my oldest daughter. Hector, I um, thought you were like 25. I'm 22 and a half. <laughs> <laughs> and also, and also set the proper expectations. And many years ago, I learned to work in with same realtors. I have like 12, 15 realtors that always refer me. Mm-hmm. They know how to work, how to work. They know when to call me. They know that I'm always going to tell them the truth. Sometimes I'm a little bit hard on that, but they know <laughs> I'm going to tell the truth. You know, I'm going to tell you the truth. And when when you when you are open with your business partner and with your clients, that take a lot of stress on, on, on the transaction. When I said a lot of my law officers, I said, guys, it's easy to deliver good news. It's the easiest part of the business. You're clear to close is the best word ever. But calling a client that says um, the property worth forty thousand dollars less, or the income that you send me, your company says they're not gonna guarantee any overtime. Mm-hmm. Now you don't qualify, and you will be denied. That's important, and yeah. that's that's that's. Uh, it's a book. I don't remember who wrote it. It's uh, either Frog. That's the first calls I do in the morning. When I have situations like that, I pick up the phone and call it and take it out of my way. Yeah. I call. I said, guys, unfortunately, we can be able to close this deal for this reason, ABC. This will, this is maybe what we can do in order to save it. Let me know. And I pass and I pass all that energy to them. And I'm just waiting for them to let me. Because this, as you said, Fabi, um, this business can eat you, can yeah. kill you, actually. Yeah. No, I, I remember in 97, I, I, I mean, my life was like absolutely horrible. <laughs> you know I mean? It was my third year in the business, and I just wanted to really just succeed so badly. You know, what I mean, I kind of started really, really climbing this thing, and I could see the numbers, and I was really excited, and it was just like all of a sudden, everything in my life just fell apart in my third year. Like I just came tumbling down, and it took mm-hmm. me almost two years to kind of like get back to where I can. Okay, how am I going to do this? I'm going to do this so that I don't burn out ever again. Now. I forget that all the time, because <laughs> right? my yoga, te- my my yoga teacher, she says that look, balancing is always going up and down. It's never perfect, you know. What mm-hmm. I mean? So that's the way life always is. Is like it's always you're trying to work things out. Like I don't want to do this too much. I don't want to do this too much. Then you, but all works out at the end of the day is what I really learned after all these years. Everything always works out. And do this little thing, guys. I I want you, I want to pass this on to you guys. Go back to like one year ago, read your emails and find the one that's really important today. And what I did is I found out that there weren't really any emails a year ago that were that important to me today, 12 months later. It was the most amazing lesson that I learned. Mm-hmm. All these things that I was stressing out about, like, oh my, this loan's got to close. This doesn't close. This guy's going to be living in a holiday. Also, it didn't make any difference because the guy closed, he was happy. You know? Yeah. So we move forward. We move forward all together. So listen, we are at the end of our show. I want to thank Anna, Hector, Jose for taking time out of their busy day. They're all three busy, busy, busy loan officers and mortgage professionals. And, and I just want to thank you all for giving us a little bit of insight today on, on how, you know, from what I gather, it seems like a very, very uh, a robust market that is growing and is very vibrant. Uh, and I think that the, you know, the first, second generation's knowledge with the, with the technology um, was really good for me, by the way. So I, I like, I love that lesson. But anyway, guys, this is a good show for me. 
Uh, JP, I don't know if you're on here or not. If you are, please raise your hand and, and exit the show for us if you don't mind. Thank you, guys. We hope you enjoyed this edition of Laugh, Lend, and Eat, the podcast. You can now enjoy Fabi's article, Laugh, Lend, and Eat featured in the Vision magazine. Please be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel, where each month we are giving away some swag for our lucky listener to show off. Thank you to our sponsors for their continued support. First Option Mortgage and One Good One Recruiting.